Heavenly Father, we thank you for the passage of Scripture that has been read to us, and we pray that you would be with us as we reflect upon it, that you would give us wisdom, that you would help us to understand what you would say to each one of us. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. When I first came back to church after a time of being an atheist in my my mid-teens, I ended up attending a church that had been influenced by the holiness movement. Now, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the holiness movement, but basically it's a a number of denominations that had a focus particularly on personal holiness, so on things like... um, not playing cards and uh, uh, not drinking uh, even in moderation and uh, a whole bunch of different rules. They had rules about dancing and, and all kinds of different things. In fact, I had uh, there was one guy that I used to work with and his wife was a children's pastor at one of these churches. And he told me that uh, when they wanted to go to a movie, they actually had to go to a theater in the next city over because uh, they it would be unacceptable for them to be seen at the movie theater uh, by their congregants. But do you, do you catch what's going on there? The only way people in their congregation would catch them at the movie theater is if they were at the movie theater too. So there's a little bit of a problem going on there. Uh, but that's the kind of focus that was going on. It was a focus on the things that you shouldn't do. And, and uh, you know, there are there's a place for that. Uh, as much as there are things that we should do, that there are the thou shalt nots that are found in the scriptures. Uh, I was thinking uh, recently about uh, my own experience. As you know, I recently turned 50, and uh, uh, it has been now 25 years uh, that I have been sober. I made a choice 25 years ago that I would never get drunk again in my life after having spent a, a number of years from my late teens to my mid-20s uh, drinking heavily. Uh, I am glad that I made that decision to uh, to, to stop getting drunk and to, to remain sober. So that was a positive experience. We have to be careful, though, when, when rules are put into place uh, in terms of uh, what you're not supposed to do that have not, not necessarily anything to do with what Scripture says. But in all of the talk that went on there about what was holy and the things that you weren't supposed to do, uh, one thing that I never heard in those conversations was about what we should do when it comes to the poor. That wasn't really talked about. In fact, if it was talked about, it was talked about out of concern. Uh, there would be some conservative churches that would uh, look at the care for the poor and say, wait, that's part of the liberal agenda. That's what liberal churches do. Uh, Bible-believing churches don't do that. Bible-believing churches only tell people about Jesus and get them into heaven, and that's it. And if if God wants the poor to be cared for, well, God can do that. That's not our job. Our job is just to tell people about Jesus, and it's as simple as that. And that uh, surprised me uh, because it seems like the, the Bible is filled with talk about caring for the poor. And this is the the way it is, is that if we are to be a Bible-believing church, and I want us to be a Bible-believing church, we have to do what the Bible says, and not just what the conservative side or the liberal side says that we should do. So that's what we want to focus on, and that's what we're going to take a look at this morning as we focus on this passage. 
We have been going through the Old Testament and we've saw uh, uh, in our last time how Moses was bringing the people of Israel out of Egypt. And as they came out of Egypt, they stopped at Mount Sinai and Moses received the law, the Torah, uh, which is a, a collection of commandments, not just the Ten Commandments, but it includes the Ten Commandments, of things that the people of Israel were to do. This is how they were to remain separate. This is how they were to remain holy and obedient to God. And there's all kinds of laws in there. And frankly, there are some laws in there that I'm just not sure what we do with them. Uh, there are certain things that are maybe mentioned once and you're looking at them and you're wondering what is going on there. Some of it is very contextual, uh, dealing with things that Israel was going through right at that time and in that culture. But there are other laws that are repeated over and over again and are really clear that this was important to God. I'm not saying the other laws are not important, but I'm saying that when something is clear, when it's repeated over and over again, and we can see the relevance of it, we need to focus on those things. Now, uh, why should people follow these laws? Well, in the passage that we had read for us, there was a, a collection of different commandments that were found there. And it begins with God saying that he was a holy God and the people were meant to be holy as well. In fact, this is a theme that's found throughout the Bible. And I, I call it the family resemblance. That if we are children of God, then we should look like our Heavenly Father in some way. It's just meant to be there. And even though we're told that uh, we are adopted into the family of God, it doesn't matter at all. Uh, uh, we have three children who are adopted, and you can definitely see the influence of Amanda and I uh, on them. I'll tell you, some of our kids will even say the same kind of jokes that I say. I'm telling you, it, it, it makes me a proud father when, when I see that happen. And so there's meant to be a family resemblance. If we are in relationship with the Father, we should be like him. And so God is holy, therefore we should be holy. But what does that holiness look like? Well, I want to focus on the last part of that passage that was given, which talks about those who have the grain fields and the vineyards, that they are not to harvest everything, but they are to leave something there. Uh, many of the people in Israel at this time were, uh, and, and in the generations that followed this, the people who really focused on these passages lived in an agricultural society. And this really meant something very clear to them. They were living this life. They were harvesting their grain fields. They were harvesting their vineyards. And they are being told to leave a portion of that for the poor and for the alien. The aliens are the, the immigrants, the, the refugees who are coming in. Now, we know, you don't have to be a, uh, an expert in history or in agriculture to know that this is not the best way to do things. If you have a farm in some way, if you want to make the greatest amount of profit, you harvest all of it. You get every last grape, every last grain from your your fields because you want to make as much money as possible. And yet God is actually saying, no, that is not to be your main focus. You are to leave a certain amount of that for those who are in need. That's going to limit profit. And yet God wants 
the people to do that. Now, why does he want the people to do that? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One is, it's part of God's heart. God has a heart for those in need. We see it over and over again throughout the Bible. Uh, it's the poor and the alien, the widow, the orphan. These are uh, these are not just strict categories, but they are uh, symbolic of all those who are in need, all those who are marginalized, and God has a heart for them. But there's another thing that's going on here. That the Israelites... Yes, they were, uh, at this point, they were receiving the law, they were in the wilderness, but they were going to come into the promised land, and they were going to settle there. And they were coming as the poor and the alien. They were the immigrant. But after a number of generations, they were going to get settled in that land. They were going to get comfortable. They were going to get wealthy. How then would they respond to others? When they would see the poor and the alien coming into the land, will they have forgotten their past? Or will they remember? This law reminds them of their past, that once they were poor, once they were the alien, and they need to be reminded of this. This was the expectation for them. If they were to be a holy people, they were not to forget the poor. They were not to forget the alien. Now, what does that mean for us today? I had a conversation uh, a couple of years ago with someone, and we're, it was one of those people who actually was very concerned about churches that were spending too much time helping the poor. He felt that that was liberal, and uh, and good Bible-believing churches should have nothing to do with uh, helping the poor. And so I actually pointed him to this passage uh, in the Old Testament where it talks about leaving a portion of your uh, harvest for uh, the poor. And do you know what his response was? He said, that's in the Old Testament. We don't have to do that anymore. Now, you probably know when that conversation had uh, had taken place because you would have heard the loud smack of my hand on my forehead that I could not believe that he was saying that, that he was saying that we don't have to care for the poor anymore because that's Old Testament and we don't do that. Now, we could ask, so are you allowed to murder now because that's the Old Testament? I didn't say that. I didn't get quite that sarcastic. But those are some of the things that were were going on in my mind. Yes, there are some changes in how we as Christians experience the law today. So many of us will eat shellfish or pork without a thought. Uh, we probably work on Saturdays not worrying about whether that is the, the biblical Sabbath. There's all kinds of things that have changed. But there are other things that are clearly brought over from the law. And that includes the caring for the poor. I would encourage you, we're not going to focus on it right now, but I encourage you to read the a parable of the sheep and the goats from Matthew chapter 25. And that is a frightening passage where Jesus seems to suggest on Judgment Day that we are judged by how we care for those in need. That is a frightening passage. Now, we can't look at that and say, well, we don't have to do that anymore. That was just Jesus. Well, we can't do, we can't say that for sure. Uh, we, that was something that was obviously very uh, close to Jesus' heart. And when you go through... Uh, the Gospels, over and over again, we see Jesus focusing on caring for the need. It was so important to him. 
The same is with the Apostle Paul. He really talked about that as well. In Galatians, there is a a passage where he talks about how he goes to Jerusalem and he meets with the other apostles. Now, just think about this. This is the great Apostle Paul. And he's going to meet uh, members of the Twelve who had followed Jesus in Jerusalem. This is a momentous occasion, okay? You know, you would just love to be at that meeting. And do you know what Paul says uh, about his meeting there? This is what he says in Galatians 2, verse 10. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. Think about that. When the 12 apostles are meeting with the apostle Paul, their focus is, remember Paul, take care of the poor. That's what we need to be looking at. It wasn't anything that we would consider deep theology. They weren't reflecting on the nature of the Trinity or anything like that. They were focusing on the poor. Uh, when you go through Paul's letters, you'll see over and over again this mention of collecting money for the poor in Jerusalem. And this money was uh, uh, something that Paul was collecting for Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. Now, if you uh, study Paul's letters, you'll actually find that the people that Paul had the most trouble with were these Jewish Christians. They were really struggling with Paul's gospel. They were really struggling with his focus on the Gentiles. And some of them would come and go into the churches where Paul had been and try to cause problems. And yet, uh, there was great poverty going on in Jerusalem. And Paul was going around to these Gentile Christians, asking them to collect money to send to the very people who were causing so much trouble for Paul. Was Paul trying to buy them off? I don't think so, because there was no way they were going to accept the the style of ministry that Paul had to begin with. He just knew this was the right thing to do. These were people who were in need, and so they needed to be cared for. And that's exactly what Paul did. This is clear in terms of what our priorities should be. We need to care for those in need. Now, what does that look like? Well, uh, when we look at that passage, it's not saying that those who have grain fields have to give a certain amount of, of grapes, or those who had vineyards need to give a certain amount of grain. It just says that those who had what they had were to give a portion, to sacrifice some of that to those in need. Well, that goes for us as well. We are not expected to do what someone else does. We are to look at what our own vineyard is. What is it that we can sacrifice and that we can help? Some people have lots of money, and they are able to give money to the poor. There are other people who have time and energy, and they come out and they volunteer, and they help in some way. Uh, Some people are just great at relationships, and they're the kind of person who can just come alongside someone in need and just be with them and encourage them. It doesn't matter what we're doing. What the point is, are we giving of what we have? And I'd like to turn this even to where we are as a church. We are coming up on our annual meeting. And do you know what? We could, at that annual meeting, make some decisions where we could change the way we do ministry. We could choose 
to stop doing all outreach ministries. We could choose to stop putting money towards that. We could choose not to allow people who are in need to come into our building. We could save money. We could save wear and tear on our building. Uh, we could save uh, energy from the people uh, who are having to volunteer. We could just focus on just having a real enjoyable Sunday morning service where we gather together as uh, fellow Christians who have always been here and we have a great time. We could do that, but it would be wrong. Because that's not what this passage says we're supposed to do. It's not what Jesus says we're supposed to do. It's not what Paul says we're supposed to do. We are meant to care for the needy. And just as those Israelites were asked to sacrifice, to limit their own profits by helping the poor and the needy, we are expected to do that, not just as an individual, but as a church. And so, yes, it does cause some discomfort. You don't know when someone you don't know comes in to the uh, building what they're going to do. Uh, are they going to uh, uh, cause some problems? Uh, is there going to be a little bit of damage that happens? We don't know. We are opening ourselves up to the unknown. But you know what? These Israelites, they didn't know what people were going to do when they came and, and gathered around the uh, the, the grapes from their vineyard. They didn't know if they were going to damage uh, any of their, their vines. They didn't know what they were going to use that. Were they going to sell those grapes for some, and do something that was wrong? They didn't know. That wasn't the point. The point was God asked them to sacrifice of what they had because God is a holy God and the people are meant to be a holy people and this is what holiness looks like. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this passage of Scripture, and we thank you for uh, the, the heart that you have for those in need. And Lord, all of us have been in need in some way at some points in our life, and we have received help from others. Lord, we pray that you would use us to be that help in others' lives. We pray that you would help us as individuals to figure out the ways that we can use the resources that you have given us to make a difference. And we pray that you would help us as a church to continue to do the work uh, in outreach that takes place, uh, whether that is our conversation club or uh, out of the cold or Saturday night services or uh, whatever it is that we might be doing, that we would continue to reach out and to make a difference. We thank you that you have given us a vineyard. May we be generous with what you have given us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.